Hey everybody, this is Pastor Wilson. Uh, I am so excited about this Galatian study that we're doing. I hope that it has been a real blessing to you. Man, if you're looking for a God moment, you came to the right place. And today we're going to continue. I am really just going to go ahead with that. You know, um, I've just been doing my Bible study and I just think, let's just continue. Why not? Uh, and so what we read, we read all until uh, verse 10 yesterday. We didn't just read six verses, but we read 10 verses um, all the way to where Paul was talking about salvation by works as opposed to salvation by faith. And man, if you are on this second one, I, I, wouldn't, I would just encourage you to just go and listen to the first one first, just to get the background and to know what the whole point is here, because we're going to be continuing on the same track. But hey, if you want to, just continue. Um, and wherever you are, just know that this is something that's supposed to spur on your relationship uh, with Scripture. It's really supposed to do that. So it's not meant to be a replacement for scripture. No, this is something that's supposed to encourage you to want to get and dig in into the scriptures yourself. So let's go on from verse 11 over here. It says, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this is uh, Paul speaking. And if you're interested, I'm actually reading from the Christian Standard uh, Bible, which is actually a great translation. I'm loving this more and more. Um, I'm reading through the whole Bible through a CSB right now, and good progress, but I will come right back to that. In fact, I think at one point I will make a podcast about how I study the Bible, and maybe that's something that could help you. What do you think about that? Uh, I think I will just go ahead and do it, and it would just be some fun interaction with you. All right, so let's continue with Paul. Paul, remember, is talking to the Galatian church. The Galatian church uh, has been uh, flirting with the idea of going back to the Jewish laws and practices. And remember what the law is. The law is not just meaningless actions that were done, uh, like how we want to think about it. But the law really speaks about good works that are meant to, to, to get you right with God or, you know, to get you in a place where you, you are having a good relationship with the Father. That, that, that's what the law is. The law wasn't um, something that was just meaningless rituals. Uh, it was ritualistic, yes, but the whole point of the ritual, if you remember uh, from, from the previous podcast that we just did, is that um, the law itself was, was a means for people to be right with God. So uh, having that perspective in mind, let us continue. And Paul is basically telling these people that, man, no, you, you can't now be having a relationship with God, trying to go to God using your good works. He says it's not good works. No, it is grace and grace and faith alone. It is by grace through faith. It, it, it's simple as that. So he continues uh, in verse 11, and he says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. And this is what Paul goes to the longest uh, pains to try to get the people of Galatia to understand. And it makes sense because he's trying to tell them that, guys, I am not going to dispute uh, with other people over doctrine. This is not what we're going to do. I'm not going to say something and then they come back and say something. Then I say something. Then they No, it's not going to be a back and forth. I'm going to tell you what was revealed to me because what was revealed to me was not 
of human origin. If you remember the story of Paul, of course, uh, Jesus came to him and Jesus revealed the gospel to him. And he continued to do so, as we will see in Galatians, uh, in the book of Galatians, that he continues to even receive further information from Christ uh, himself in this. So Paul, his big thing here is that, yeah, I am talking to you about this gospel, but before I even get there, let's talk about how I received the gospel. Then we can talk about how you will weigh what I say. And that's so important because he is saying, if you're going to weigh what I say, then you better know where what I say comes from. And that's important because, hey, uh, not everybody's speaking on the same weight here. There's some people coming in, they're saying, we know uh, the gospel. And the gospel starts with you doing good works and trying to attain to a relationship with God with good works. Then, of course, you know, you ask God uh, for help. You ask God for forgiveness. It, it is by faith, uh, but it's not just by faith. It's, it also includes your good works, guys. If you just have faith and you're saved by, uh, by grace through faith, y- you know what? That's good, but there's still something missing. So they're trying to tell them that they're incomplete in a sense, that the Galatian church is incomplete in a sense. And, and Paul's looking at them and thinking, guys, you are not incomplete. If anything, you are quite complete. And so, of course, uh, Paul's doing this, and and Paul's going about uh, this whole conversation in this way, because he is just convinced that these guys are wrong, and that he is right. And he has good reason to actually think this way. And his good reason is that he actually heard from Christ himself about this gospel. So he says that the gospel preached by me is not by human origin, because if it's by human origin, then we can all change it, isn't it? Then I can just come up and say, no, this is what I think the gospel is. And then you can come and say, no, this is what I think the gospel is. Then it's something we are pushing back and forth against each other, and nobody, nobody's uh, opinion matters more. Why? Because everybody's opinion is valid. But if God gives us what the gospel is, then clearly we are not speaking on the same level here. So he says, the gospel preached by me is not from human origin. This is verse 11, verse 12. He says, for I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation of Jesus Christ. And right there, he, he brings it in. You know, he, it came, uh, God revealed it to me. Nobody taught it to me. And then he goes on and explains to everybody, gives them a bit of a background of who he is uh, so that they understand because it is, not, it is not his human background that he is using as, as evidence that his gospel is true. No, that's not what he's saying. But he is using his revelation of Jesus Christ to say that. Now, this gospel, it's actually true because of the revelation of Jesus Christ, not because of what I did or because, or, or, or because of my, 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 my excitement over the Judaism that I was doing or my, my intense, intense, um, intense zeal for this. No, he's not saying that's what qualifies me. He says what qualifies me is this. What qualifies me is that Jesus revealed this to me. But then he goes on in verse 13. He says, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond my contemporaries. 
among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. And if you can remember, where he, where he met Jesus was when he was on this journey to Damascus. And at this point, he says, it was revealed to me. I, I, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond my contemporaries. Already, I was, you know, I was showing good promise. I was, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. And that's how, that's how Paul was. He, he was a Jew and a very good one. In fact, he was a Jew that worked very hard to put all these Christian uh, cult people, as he would refer to them at the time, uh, in prison. And now he's looking back and he's saying, but God, when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart by his grace, not even by my works, You see that? He says, but God who set me apart from my mother's womb, set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. In other words, what he is saying is that, guys, when Jesus appeared to me, when Jesus appeared to me and told me all this that I was supposed to do, when God wanted to reveal Christ in me, I didn't go up and say, uh, you guys tell me, so what's the gospel? So what's the, that, that's not what he did. That's not what Paul did. He says, I, I did not do that. In fact, I did not even go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and I came back to Damascus. So right after he sees that, so he, he's on his way to Damascus. He eventually gets in. Ananias prays for him. This, of course, is in the book of Acts. And I think it's Acts chapter 9. And so Ananias prays for him. He goes blind after he sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, They lead him by hand into Damascus because now he can't walk by himself because he's just had this huge vision. And afterwards, Ananias comes to him, prays for him, and the scales fall off his, his eyes. He says, right after this, then he went to Arabia. You see, what happens there is that the book of Acts as well also just just goes along the story and cut certain things out because the story is not necessarily about Paul as much as it is the advance of the gospel. But then um, it cuts forward into, uh, into Paul then being baptized and, and, and moving on uh, to preaching and going to Jerusalem and doing all that. But he says, before all that happened, guys, I actually uh, went to Arabia and then afterwards, I came back and stayed in Damascus. And he stayed in Damascus for three years. He stayed in Damascus for three years uh, right there. And he was already sharing the gospel with people. And the gospel he was sharing, he says that this gospel is not the gospel I learned from Jerusalem. I hadn't been to Jerusalem then. I hadn't even spoken to Peter or James or anyone. I had received from Christ through a vision this gospel And all I did was go to Arabia and back and stayed in Damascus for three years. And I was already preaching something that was already revealed. And of course, you are getting the point that Paul is trying to do here. He is saying that I I didn't learn this. I didn't didn't learn what to do and then what not to do, what to keep and then what not to keep. 
I, le- I got the gospel of grace and I got this gospel of grace straight from Jesus himself. And this is why I decided to preach it as is. I did not include any law in it. I did not include any good works that you have to keep in it. He says, no, I didn't include all of that. And the reason I didn't do it is because Jesus told me so, not because I just dreamed it up. Then he says, then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem. After three years in Damascus, after three years, then I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and and Cephas is Peter. And at these particular moments, uh, three people were leaders in the church in Jerusalem. This was, of course, the the disciples that uh, were with Jesus the closest, which was Peter, James, and John. And Peter, James, and John, afterwards, if you remember this, they used to walk with Jesus wherever he went. Even when he went up on the mountain where he was transfigured before them, if you remember, what happened was that Peter, James, and John were there, not the other, not the other 12 disciples. It wasn't the whole of the 12. All it was, it was Peter, James, and John. The other nine stayed down. Um, and only these three went up on the mountain with him because they were quite close to him. And, and I think it was intentional because these people would become pillars and they would be the ones that decide on certain issues uh, with time. And, and this is where you see even John, even John, when he writes in his first letter of John, he says what we have heard, what we have seen, uh, what we have touched, what we have handled. He speaks about this Christ that he was close with. And he speaks against certain heresies uh, in the church and his his authority to which he can speak to these things, he says, it's because I spend time with Jesus. And so uh, even Paul does the same thing. And he says, you know what? I'm preaching this gospel um, of this Jesus who revealed himself to me. Let me get to know these guys that actually walked with him. And so he goes back after three years and he goes to meet with Peter and he stayed with him 15 days, only 15 days. And he says, but I did not get to see any, uh, any of the other apostles except, except James, the Lord's brother. Uh, and, and history there is that James was actually the one that was leading the church uh, in Jerusalem. If you were looking at the pastor of the church at the time, that, that would have been James. Um, and, and tradition says that he looked like Christ in his appearance, and in fact, he had mannerisms like Christ. This, of course, we get from the early church fathers that speak about uh, James, and they say that he was like Jesus in every way, and so he was uh, this pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So he gets to meet Peter, and he gets to meet James, Uh, and he says, I declare in the sight of God, and I'm not lying in what I write to you, And then he says, afterwards, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. So Syria and Cilicia are not part of the Jews. So he is already preaching to people that are non-Jews. He's already preaching to non-Jews right now at this moment. And he's saying, but to the Judean churches, to, to every other church that, um, it's, 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 uh, parishioners or its, it's, uh, its members were people that were first Jews. He says, these guys didn't even know me. I was already preaching the gospel to everyone else, to Syria, to Cilicia, to Damascus, to Arabia. All these other people do not have a background in Judaism. And he says, but to the churches that were Judean churches, I remain personally unknown to them. All they kept hearing was this, he, form- he who formerly persecuted us uh, now preaches the faith 
he once tried to destroy. So all the other churches, all they're hearing is that. That guy, you remember the guy that was trying to destroy us? Yeah, he's preaching the gospel. Uh, the same gospel he tried to destroy. And verse 24, and they glorified God because of me. Then he's doing this in Cilicia and Syria uh, afterwards. And after 14 years. So he says, so it was three years in Damascus. And then he goes up to, to, to Jerusalem to meet uh, Peter and James and stays there for 15 days. But afterwards, immediately goes out and goes to Syria and Cilicia. Afterwards, after 14 years, this is when he comes back again to Jerusalem. And sometimes when we read this in Acts, we don't get the time frame because everything is just jumbled in together uh, because it's trying to be a concise account of what's really going on. But, John, but, but, but Paul here is trying to get at least the Galatian church to have an idea of where he was, what really was going on with him and what really happened to Paul for him to actually uh, for, for, for him to speak or preach a gospel that he is preaching right now. And so he continues. He says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. This is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem uh, with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. Uh, I went up according to Revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles. So he presents this gospel only after 17 years. And he presented to them and says, uh, but privately to those recognized as leaders. So Paul as well is saying, wait a minute, I'm preaching this thing. Uh, of course, Jesus revealed it to me, but I, I, I want to present it to these guys uh, privately so that I, I may know that we are in the same place here. You know, And that's what he does. He says, but privately to those recognized as leaders, I wanted to be sure I was not running or had been running in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So in all his missionary journeys, after 17 years of doing ministry, when, John is, when Paul is coming back, he's coming back with, with people that are Christians, with Greeks. And, and one of those Greeks is Titus, to whom he writes, of course, the epistle written to Titus. And Titus was a son to Paul. And he, he, comes for, he has a very Greek background with him. And so he says even when he went down with with Titus, they didn't ask Titus to get uh, circumcised. Um, but what he what they did was that they did not compel him. They just left him because they understood that this is the gospel that that they believe and that Paul believes as well that you don't need good works. Now you look at that and you say circumcised. What's the big issue with being circumcised? Oh, it's a big issue. And let me tell you why it was a big issue to this, guys. It was a sign. It was an outside, an outward sign that you actually followed God. It was not just, it was not just a ritual. And we miss it there. It was not just a ritual. It was something by which covenant people identified themselves that they were a part of a covenant God. In other words, it is something that they that you could see that was that was seeable, <laughs> that was visible, that that this person was actually um, a, a follower of Yahweh. It, it was not just just a small matter. It was the beginning. This is how you first follow Yahweh. You get circumcised. 
This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy out our freedom, the freedom we have in Christ. And so this is what he does. After 17 years, this issue starts coming up of circumcision, of, of, you know, we're not putting away grace. We're not saying you're not saved by grace, man. But we are saying that you have to have some good works. You have to have some good works. And listen to why the good works. Not the good works as a result of your salvation, but the good works to try, to earn. They need to be a part of your salvation. Synergism. This is, of course, the, 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 the theological term that's, that's termed. It's synergism. In other words, I get saved by grace through faith and also by my works. And, of course, um, the, the reformers had this whole idea and they're saying, no, it is, not, it is not both of them. It is only one. And Paul here as well is saying the same thing. He's saying we are not mixing. We are not mixing law. We're not mixing it with grace. What we are doing is that we are absolutely being saved by grace only through faith. And he says, this matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy, to spy out our freedom, the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment. And he says this, so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Man, I tell you something, that this, this, this verse right there for me, verse, chap, verse 5 of chapter 2, it, it gives me such, such incredible security because he says this. He says, I did not submit to them for even a moment. You see, what happened was that these false brothers, and that's what he calls them, the people that are trying to mix uh, grace and law, he says they are false brothers. He says, these false brothers infiltrated our ranks to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. And he says, the idea is to enslave us, to say that, you know what, you have to do this and this and this and that to be saved. And Paul is saying, no, I don't have to do anything. No, I don't have to make up for my bad works. No, I don't have to make up for, what, for the evil that I have done. I don't have to come to God and try to be good so that God can forgive me. I don't need all that. All I need is that I need to just be forgiven simply by accepting that Jesus Christ died for my sin. That's the only thing I need. And he said, I did not submit to these people for a moment. And he gives me a very good thing uh, or a very good reason. He says, so that the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. So the whole time and the whole battle that Paul's having, this whole time when he is not submitting to the false gospel of these guys is that he is trying to preserve the truth of the gospel for the people that are with him. He says, I will fight this. And the reason that I fight good works, I don't fight good works because they're bad. No, that's not why I do it. But I do it so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. And that's the point we need to get. And that is the crux of today. The whole idea that the truth of the gospel must be preserved. In the first podcast that I made, we actually talked about the fact that there are not many gospels. That's what Paul says. He says, no, um, the gospel isn't, I don't have my gospel and then you have your gospel and then another one has his, his gospel. In fact, he says, if an angel from heaven comes and preaches such a gospel to you, I want to tell you something. May a curse be on him. 
And he is so sure of this gospel that he says, I would even curse any angel or any heavenly figure that will come in and preach anything contrary to the one that I have preached to you. And what is that gospel? That gospel is simple. That gospel is that Jesus Christ died for you. And only by those merits of Christ are we saved. Not because of our merits at all. You know, one, one uh, scholar put it this way, and he, he, he said, you know, the, our story of salvation is this way. He says, you don't go and try to marry someone, and when you marry them, you say this, uh, now I'm going to take you into my house, and after you get in my house, I need to be sure that you can iron you can cook, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can make this and that, you can clean the house, you can do all these things, of course, traditionally here. I'm trying to be all traditional. But the whole idea of, of a wife coming into a household and, and her being the homemaker, you don't take a wife, then test them on their ability to be a homemaker And then afterwards, you're like, "Mm, after 20 years of being married or 80 years of being married or 90 years of being married, afterwards, then you look at the wife and you say, hmm, you are actually good at these things. And because you're good at these things, I want to make you my wife. No, that's not what you do. You listen to that and you go, that's ridiculous. That's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, of course. Of course, that's not. That's not what's going on here, right? Like, you, if you marry someone, you, you, you take it as it is. You take the whole package. You will fix it as you keep on going. And we don't care whether you think you shouldn't or you should. But the thing is, you need to be uh, realizing here that you are accepting the woman as she is. You love her as she is, not as you, as you want her or to make her to be. This makes sense, of course, right? But it's so funny that we don't apply the same logic to God. In essence, what we are thinking is that we need to come to God. We need to do all the good works and do all the, all the spiritual gymnastics that we know how to. We need to show him that we can pray, show him that we can persevere, show him that we can be good people. And then maybe when you're 80 or 90 years old, when you die and you come to him, he's like, yeah. Now I can marry you. Look at you. Yeah, man, you, you have done something worthwhile. And so I can commit to you because of your good works. And then you come to him and he says, yeah, no, I'll take you in. This is how we think salvation is. <laughs> and that's not it. That's not it. What, we, what the Bible calls us already, it calls us the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. It is not the girlfriend of Christ. It is not, it is the bride of Christ. And it does not speak of Christ divorcing anyone. In fact, what it does is that when you come in, when you believe in Jesus, when you just say, I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin, you get saved immediately. That's it. You're saved. Everything is done. The payment for your sin is done. Everything is accounted for. You don't need to, to be meeting any other uh, requirement. The only requirement for you to get saved is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It's as simple as that. And once you do that, he takes you on and you become his bride. 
It's as simple as that. Uh, you become his entire bride. With At that moment, you do not have to now prove to him that you can make and become a good wife. No, that's not what he asks you to do. He's not, he's, not, he's not like, now prove to me that you can be a good wife. No, that's not what he's doing. He, he, he doesn't even ask you for that. He just says, well, you know what? I love you. I paid the price for you. Uh, do you want to be my wife? If you say yes, then it's done, sealed, complete. Then what happens is the process of sanctification. And that process of sanctification is living with your wife now. And what you do as you live with your wife, it's, um, okay, so you're not very good with cooking. Let's take you to cooking classes. This has no bearing on whether or not this person is your wife. No, what this is, is just that you are helping her get better at cooking. I hope that that, that analogy actually just makes sense to you. Because what it is, it's not that God is asking or, or is trying to figure out, okay, uh, will these good works make sure that this person is saved or not? Huh? Let's evaluate. Will these good works actually work for this person's salvation? No. He's saying, well, look at my wife. She can barely cook. Uh, she's terrible at cooking. She's about to kill us all with her recipes. You know what's the good thing? Let's take her uh, to a cooking school or to a cooking class. And that's what sanctification is. In other words, as a wife that's married in a marriage relationship, you learn how to become a good wife with time. As a believer who has already believed in Christ Jesus, you learn how to do good works, and how to, how to live righteously with time. And that, that has no bearing on your salvation. All it has a bearing on is this, is that you can be a good Christian. You are a righteous person. In other words, you do righteous things because you're a righteous person. You don't do righteous things because you want to be righteous. No, but you do what is righteous because God has already in you, made you, recreated you, made you a new creature. And this new creature is a righteous creature. And because God has already done this in your life, in essence, what he is saying is that, my child, you are already righteous. You are already righteous. You are already righteous. You're clean. You, you are right with me. There's nothing more that you need to do for us to be right, for us to have a relationship. You are right with me. Now, all the other things that you need to get right in your life, these things are called sanctification. And do you know what that word sanctify means? It means to make holy. In other words, there are certain parts in you that, oh, goodness, we need to make them holy uh, because you look like you, you, you are a person who, were, who was hellbound and was just saved by grace. Uh, and indeed, you were, isn't it? And of course, it makes sense that you have certain patterns in your life that you still need to deal with. And those patterns, you know what? They have no bearing on whether or not you are my, you are my child, whether or not you are a believer, whether or not I am committed to you, whether or not I love you, whether or not um, you, you are heaven bound, whether or not, th those things don't matter. And what he is doing is simply saying, well, you know what? You are saved. And that salvation is completely just.
by grace. I hope that you get this. And that is the gospel. That is truly the gospel. And the reason that Paul went up 17 years later to Jerusalem to present this gospel to the, to the, to the rulers or to the, to, the, to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem at the time was so that he could actually get this whole idea fleshed out. And he is saying, well, guys, we need to flesh this whole idea out because we can't. We can't just say that it's okay. We can't, we, we can't just say we are going to assimilate grace and then mix it with good works. No, we're saved completely by grace. And this is what brings uh, Paul to this place 17 years later. And he says, guys, let's talk it out. And the whole idea, he says, he's so that he can preserve the truth of the gospel to every single person that he has preached to. All right, man, I hope that this has been a blessing to you, and I hope that you understand where the gospel comes from, the whole idea of it, um, what, what, what it truly is, and what Paul is actually fighting for in this book. This book is good, and I want to encourage you to simply go into it and dig in. Dig in, man, dig in. I am appetizing you and trying to get you to actually dig in into the book yourself and to try to figure out, God, what? is your gospel. Man, I love you, and may you have an incredible... So hit that subscribe button uh, for more of this so that you can actually uh, get more of these studies as I post them and that we can go on this journey together. I'm really excited, particularly about this book, because this book is such a cornerstone of faith for us. And it just really preserves the gospel as it is. This and Romans are just incredible uh, at preserving that gospel. So, but we're starting with the book of Galatians. And I hope that it's been a blessing to you. Tell your friends about it. I'm going to be more consistent about posting uh, and, and, and uploading episodes to this podcast from this moment on. And what I'm also going to post on right after here is that, I, I don't know, I think I'll wait to finish Galatians, then I will also post this. But in the coming weeks, what you're going to get is how I actually do Bible study and, and what I, the tools I use, um, the, the processes I use, and maybe that will be something that actually helps you uh, in your journey with God so that uh, you can pursue that closeness with Him. And that you can have this confidence that you have eternal life. Man, this is Pastor Wilson. I love you very much. Have an incredible day.